1: Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to the Dirty Birds and Brews podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Knight at Falcoholic Kevin, joined today by Will McFadden, my compatriot over on the Believe Podcast Network, also contributor at the Falcoholic, among many other talents. He's at Will McFadden, host of the Believe in Falcons podcast, our uh, our sister show here on the, on the Believe Podcast Network. Will,
0: how we doing? Doing well, Kevin. Among those many other talents are changing diapers and, uh, you know, feeding with one hand and doing other activities with the other hand. So it's a lot of dad duty over here this offseason, but I'm very happy to fit in some time as always to, to talk a little Atlanta Falcons football with you, my friend.
1: Yes. Well, you're you're really developing. We we talked about Avery Williams a lot on the last podcast, that versatile skill set. I can tell you're you're developing your very own versatile skill set over there. So an (laughs) indispensable part of that household. No doubt. Uh, Appreciate you making the time. Our topic today, folks, breakout players to watch for the Falcons uh, on our on our show that we did just recently, Will and I, um, on the Believe in Falcons pod, check that out. Uh, we talked about sort of the indispensable players uh, with some Michael Scott uh, isms in there. So if you like The Office, you can get get some good nugs in there as well. Uh, so today we're looking more at the po- more of the positive spin, like right? not not what happens if we lose guys, but what happens if you know some of these guys are able to reach their ceiling or sort of take the next step and how they can impact this team in 2023 um we're just going to sort of rattle through some of our own names here i i know i have a list i'm sure will has one too and we'll just get to some interesting guys as we uh try to make it through this content drought that we're going to be in uh starting basically right now as minicamp uh has ended you know there, there won't really be much at all until training camp uh well, are you, do you have any hobbies or anything you're going to be doing or are you going to be continuing to flesh out that dad skill set?
0: I mean, the dad skill set is, is something that hopefully I'll be working on for the rest of my life. You know, never ending, never stop the grind. Um, but you and I are both a uh, lover, as we were talking about before this video game. So, I mean, that's something that's super easy. Just have to put the kid down, kind of need to unwind. Um, so Diablo, definitely into that. Uh, I love to play tennis, golf. So as it's you know nice outside, getting out, getting some physical exercise, I find really helps to keep my body active, allows me to just kind of like let the mind wander and and uh, cut loose and just kind of listen to music or something different than all the podcasts, podcasts I listen to all day or like, you know, I'm just in my own head a lot thinking about a lot of stuff. I wish I could turn that off sometimes and that yeah. allows me to do that. So that's probably what I'll be getting into, of course, just. Keeping up with all the great stuff that everybody uh, at the Falcolic and and all of our favorite uh, sister podcasts and all of that are are keeping up to to stay in touch with everything Falcons as well.
1: Yeah, no, that's great. I tried Pickleball a week or two ago. No, man. Uh, You ever done that? I, I,
0: I can't. I mean, I'm sure I would like it. And so that's why I just I. Yeah, I gotta stay. I gotta stay a tennis truther for right yeah. now. It's my own personal like. I have nothing against pickleball except for the fact that I've taken it on as my own personal hill to die upon. <laughs> okay. Because like, just just move around a little bit more and call it tennis. Just do that. It's. I didn't it's not like that the hard. ball.
1: Yeah, because I like the tennis ball and the ping pong ball. They they right. bounce. The yeah. pickleball doesn't bounce a lot, and that really threw me off when I was playing it. So I think we need if we could play pickleball with a tennis ball, I think I would li- I would have liked it a bit more because I think that bounce. Like,
0: but exactly. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. can put the spin on it. You can do all the different mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. And I know it's like a little bit more like a wiffle ball and you yep. can hit it in certain ways and get it to kind of like spinning it. But nah, it's not for me. It's too Tennis, airy. That's too it's too airy. At. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> No, I, I used to
1: do tennis. I haven't done that recently. I've stuck, stuck to ping pong, you know, so it's basically the, you know, intensely uh, shortened version of tennis with much less physical exertion. So uh, Dude, we see. got into some serious
0: <laughs> ping pong matches. Uh, in the Obviously, the player matches at Flowery Branch are, are legendary, and, you know, Julio was, everybody would tell you, one of the very, very best ping pong players uh, ever to come through Flowery Branch, but we also had a table upstairs, and oh. uh, we'd get into some serious ping pong matches definitely uh later on during my time there. It was it was a lot of fun. So I became really good at ping pong um as well. So right yeah. there with you, buddy.
1: We're gonna have to have the ping pong chronicles. Maybe that's <laughs> some good off season uh content we can get to at some point. Maybe. But uh let's, yeah, let's do it. Well guys before we go any further I want to thank today's sponsor, betonline.ag your number one source for all your Stanley Cup. Well Stanley Cup just ended so unfortunately no longer able to bet on that. But uh, M- NBA finals as well just ended, but they've got all you need stats, news, and scores for all your favorite sports. Uh, get the latest odds and lines on anything under the sun, just about, uh, including NFL futures. If you're feeling overly confident in the Falcons, you could bet on Atlanta to win the NFC South right now before the rest of the league catches up to that height train. Uh, Of course, BetOnline is your sports Intel headquarters this season as they've got you covered for all your insider sports wagering needs, including MLB, golf, UFC, boxing, pretty much anything you could think of, guys. Uh, BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and car games you can play right from your home. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action and be sure to use our promo code Believe. that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. All right, well, let's dive right in. Um, I'll kick us off with, I ranked like five guys and then I had like a whole mess of guys. Um, but I think we're going to do it a little bit more free form. So I'll just start with one of the guys on my list who I'm pretty sure will be on yours as well. And Arnold Evicati, the edge rusher, um, Mm -hmm. who didn't have the stats necessarily did have a good pressure rate. Didn't play as much as I think a lot of people were hoping last year, but when he did started to make, uh, some impact. Uh, Katie, I think is one of the more interesting players in terms of how much run is he going to get? Is he going to be a starter considering a lot of the guys that they kept in Lorenzo Carter, they brought in Bud Dupree, you know, what's Katie going to do? But I do think he's one of the more interesting edge rushers, maybe the most interesting guy in that group in terms of what he can become. What do you think about Katie?
0: He's absolutely on my list. Um, I think that, you know, you could make the case that he is certainly among the defensive guys, maybe the best poised and best positioned to have a breakout season. And I think the Falcons would benefit from that greatly. The reason I think that he really could kind of capitalize on this situation that he's in is you and I spoke about this on on our podcast. I kind of think the strength is for this Falcons pass rush is, is the depth it's that they're going to be able to throw a lot of guys consistently at offensive lines and at opposing offenses. And Arnold Epicady, given you know how young he is and, and really only entering um, his second year here, I think that he's going to be the player that they can just keep bringing in wave after wave after wave. He's going to be so fresh, and he's going to be, I think, the player that best capitalizes on these offensive lines maybe throughout the course of a game. Wear down. He impressed me a lot last year because I thought coming in um, into the NFL, he was a little bit already close to a finished product. I looked at at what he had accomplished throughout his, his college career and just the progression and the growth that he had, and, and it was there. He'd gotten better, but kind of not by leaps and bounds. He was like incremental improvements, and he had been in college for for a while. He'd had a lengthy career, and so. I kind of felt like, all right, maybe he comes in and he's best suited to this long term, like I upside two, like his his upside is as a two, but maybe he's more of like that third pass rusher. But I saw a lot more from him last year than I expected to see. I thought he developed more tools than I anticipated he would. So I'm very excited to see what he can do in year two with kind of, I think, better opportunities given the help around him. And also, you know, I think he'll be hungrier to capitalize on those opportunities because again, he's going to see all of these guys around him who have all of these pelts on the wall and he hasn't really proven anything yet. So it's like, all right, go get yours. And I'm excited to see how he responds to that challenge.
1: Yeah, no, I agree with you hundred percent there. I think he's the most interesting man on, on, in the edge group, certainly in terms of, we don't really know what to expect, but I, I think that he's still a big part of their plans, despite all the moves they've made, you know, with Calais Campbell, Zach Harrison, Bud Dupree coming in, Lorenzo Carter coming back. It's like, wow, that's a lot of edge rushers, but I still think Epikady going to be up there. You know, the one concern is that, you know, are they moving away from this archetype of edge rusher over time, which was more of the Dean Pease style? Is Ryan Nielsen gonna minimize mm-hmm. this role? But I think we've seen it with the Saints too. They were not afraid to to have a stand-up rusher to go for one of the the guys on the edge being more of that stand-up guy. They didn't necessarily need every single defensive end to be the hand in the dirt, you know, Cam Jordan monster. that they, they did right. play versatile personnel. So I'm interested to see how they deploy him and, and Carter and some of these guys that are more stand up types. But Evan Cady, you know, he's only six two, but really long arms and and was a bit heavier than I think people realized. So he's I yeah. think someone that, that can thrive in, in multiple roles. And like you said, polished, uh coming out. And you know, the pass rush plan is there, the technique is there. Really close to a lot of plays in twenty twenty two, and you have to think with the improved supporting cast that he'll be able to finish a lot more of those. And I think I think that's really the story of this whole defense. I'm sure we'll talk about it more. It's just the floor has been raised so much that ideally now a lot of those near misses or plays that were almost there. You can get those to be actual plays.
0: Yeah. It does kind of feel like outside of, you know, probably Jesse Bates. And I think that the Jeff Okuda is, is a long shot home run swing, but you know, the dude was the former number three pick. So like, that the home run swing is conceivably there, but outside of those two guys, you're right. I think that this was an off season about raising the overall kind of depth, adding numbers to the ranks on your defense, just to just give yourself a two deep that is respectable. And, and I think they've largely accomplished that.
1: Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, who's, who's your, your next breakout player to watch this year?
0: Yeah. So this is somebody based on uh, our conversation just off mic. I, I, I'm curious, and I don't think he's on your list. He is on my list, um, and it's Drake London. And your point was that, you know, could, can't you argue that he broke out last year? I, I think you can. He had 72 catches for 866 yards and four touchdowns. And I think that that, that is, in and of itself could be a, a breakout season, but you are seeing what some of these other rookie wide receivers are doing recently. And I I think that there's another level to be reached here. Um, I think that he was kind of good in a lot of games last year. I don't know if there were really many performances where you were like, he was great today. And I'd like to see more of that from him. But I think we started to see that definitely towards the end of the year. His final five games uh, last season, 48 targets, 31 catches, 428 yards. He didn't have any touchdowns. But I mean, you're talking about basically half of his yard total the entire season. Coming in those final five games, four of which were started by Desmond Ritter. So I think that you extrapolate that out and you put Desmond Ritter in there for the entirety of the season. We talked uh, again on on my podcast about just the scarcity at the wide receiver position behind Drake London and Mac Hollins. So I think that Drake London is going to have a huge target share in this offense. I I mean I think a thousand yards is like a safe floor barring injury, if he is healthy for the entire season and does not reach a thousand yards, I think something will have gone pretty catastrophically wrong here. Uh, And I think his ceiling is, I mean, like 1600 yards somewhere in that range, just because again, he could be a volume monster. And if one of my favorite kind of stats to come out recently was by Nate Tice, who tweeted out on, on Twitter, uh, he was just kind of playing around, and this was success rate per target. So basically, how successful were you based on on each look that you're you're getting? And Drake London was ninth with a 14.9 success rate on on every one of his targets, and that was sandwiched between Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. So I think that you add more volume to uh, to Drake London's kind of production totals, and it is there that I, I think that you'll see those continually continue to positively um, improve instead of maybe regress as he gets more volume, I think we're seeing the signs that, no, he can sustain more volume and still stay very productive uh, and therefore, I think, have a monster season. So, yes, he did kind of break out last year and the fact that people kind of know who Drake London is, but I think he could really have like a true, oh, okay, he can be a number one wide receiver in the NFL type of season because they need that from him this year.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think you look at Drake London and like, to me, it's like, oh yeah, I think he's already sort of arrived. And, and he, I think he was just held back a lot by mm-hmm. Marcus Mariota. And we saw what happened when when we, he had a quarterback who was willing to chuck the ball to him. Uh, and it was beautiful. You know, it was great. It was one of the best things. His connection with Desmond Ritter was definitely one of the best things that we saw from Ritter in that time span um, of those last four games. And yes, if I think if, if if you happen to if that kept up for seventeen games, then he's on this crazy path to, to fourteen hundred plus yards. And that's not reasonable to expect. I mean, it it, it usually doesn't keep up even even over a four game right. sample. But I think over a thousand yards easy. Um But I, I think you have a point that like 800-something yards, that's a breakout season for a lot of receivers, but if you're talking about wide receiver ones, which is what I think we believe that he is, then you need to eclipse that 1,000-yard mark, and you need to do it multiple years. Um, So I don't think it's outlandish to have him as a breakout player. I think it makes sense, and I think this could be the year where he. everyone knows who he is. He's got that respect of like this is a good wide receiver, but this is this could be the year where he takes that step to be like, okay, he's like a top 15, top 10 wide receiver now. Um, I know like Matt Harmon over at Reception Perception loves Drake London. Um, (laughs) He's just like this man, his uh, I think success rate versus man and zone were both exceptional last year. Um, And those, and I think, you know, Harmon will tell you like success rate versus man is one of the most predictive things we have for future success. And London's one of the best. a lot
0: of the little things well, like if you do look at a lot of the intricacies of the wide receiver position and just the, you know, like it's, it's a little bit like baseball. You could look at just the home run and strikeout totals, but then you can also just look at often they're putting it in play and how often they're doing things versus the switch. And just like more of these nuanced metrics that kind of give you a more complete picture. He is shining in a lot of those areas. And that's kind of why I brought up that success rate, like per target, yeah metric because i do think that that highlights that the overall numbers the kind of big summary, um summary statistics those will come it's just there we're pointing to like the signs why we believe those will come and it's because he's doing all these other little things that are indicative of better future performances right now and i think that happens kind of in year 2 for him
1: yeah yeah so he's definitely one of the most interesting players to watch without a doubt um and i hope that connection with ritter is one of the earliest things we see going into the season yeah. because you know th- there's a lot of moving parts in this offense the hope i think is that they're ready to hit the ground running this year um and i think ritter to london could be one of the early things we see uh because it's carried over from from last year um
0: for sure who yeah. else is on your uh on your list kevin
1: Let's see. Next one for me, UCF legend Richie Grant um, is, is up. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like we've been sort of waiting for the Grant breakout. Last, I think this last year we were sort of hoping that would be the year. And he did not play poorly, but he was more of like an average starter. Um, and I think now with Jesse Bates in the fold and a better defense Around him, And I think maybe a scheme that's a little bit better suited to his talents where he can play a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage doesn't have to play as much single high, which he's capable of doing, but I think Mm -hmm. his aggression is better served in the shorter area of the field. Um, I think this is a great opportunity for Grant to sort of become that above average to good starter. And and that could be really big against you know next to one of the best safeties in the NFL and Jesse Bates. What do you think about the potential for for Grant to have a a breakout year here in, in year three?
0: I, again, I, I think he kind of falls in my mind, maybe where Drake London falls um, in your mind, which is yeah. I considered last year as a little bit of the Richie Grant, but maybe that's just because we are so close to the Atlanta Falcons themselves, right? And so I was uh, highly anticipating Richie Grant as a rookie, only to kind of be like, well, where is he? Is he going to be out there? And then he wasn't. So then, year two, same anticipation. And he played, you know, more snaps than than dang near anybody else. And I thought had his ups and downs, but the ups were really solid. And I was like, yeah. awesome, cool. Like this is what I hoped you would become. Now he just needs to do it a little bit more consistently. And like you, my hope is that with Jesse Bates back there, uh, kind of I just hope that I hope that Richie Grant leases his brain out to Jesse Bates. And what I mean by that is like. Let Jesse Bates just tell you where to go when he's back there in kind of that single high look or whatever. And and he's calling the shots. Just let him be like, Richie, go over here to the left side, follow his command, go over there and then just play with your hair on fire. Because I, I agree. I think that his strength is the closer that he is to the line of scrimmage, being in a little of that freelancer joker type of role where he's got, you know, he's kind of the jack of all trades, master of none right now but let him use that to his advantage and keep defenses a little bit off kilter um, because they don't know where he is from one player to the next. And and Jesse Bates can do a little bit of that as well, but I do think that that's the role for Richie Grant. And I'm excited to see what he does when he really kind of takes hold of that. I still think that he is prone to making too many mistakes to really be a great player at this level. Um, So he needs to clean that up in my opinion, before i think that he will become like a household name pff top 10 safety like that type of deal i wonder if he's even has that kind of in him is that his ceiling or is it just below that i don't know but year three should help us figure out a a great deal of of that remaining piece of the picture
1: yeah because with him at ucf it was he was just very aggressive and that that was Mm -hmm. sort of his game and and Sometimes he'd make mistakes, but he would make the plays on the other end. And I think so far we've seen a little bit of that here. And I think you're you're okay with a, a safety who is a little bit mistake-prone, especially playing in the box as opposed to playing deep. Right. When you're deep. When you're the single high guy, you can't make mistakes. Like, you are the last line. You need to be very solid with what you're doing. And I think with Bates back there, Grant is going to be freed up. And I think they're going to say, look, go with your instincts. Be aggressive. Like, go make plays. And if he misses Mm -hmm. some tackles or gets fooled by some play action or whatever, if he comes away with some turnovers, if he makes some great plays, you know, following his aggression and he's out there enforcing, um, I think you'll overlook the mistakes. So that's really, you need to have the pluses to counteract the minuses. And if you can have more pluses than minuses, that's what makes you a good player. So um, no one's expecting perfection, especially when when you're that type of aggressive playmaker uh but i think we just need more of the impact plays and i think people will will really come around and be happy with with what he's done and i think he's in a good position to do that this year with a lot of better again better talent around him to free him up to be a little bit more aggressive and take more risks um yeah next guy on your list will
0: yeah I, i think that this is a little bit of a a gimme here, but I'm just going to go ahead and take it. Um, and That's Bijan Robinson. I mean, can I, is he even eligible? Like it feels like he's already <laughs> broken out and he's not even played a single uh, down in the NFL, but I mean, all signs are pointing to this. Uh, I was, I spoke with Danny Kelly um, earlier this off season on my podcast, kind of after the draft, And he does a lot of great work over at the ringer covering the draft, but also covering fantasy football And I, you know, I don't have the metric right off the top of my head to pull, but it was something about basically how top 10 running backs over the last like decade or so have been so foolproof when it comes to fantasy football success, because teams just have such a clear vision for how they're going to use them. And they get such a heavy workload that it's like, if you're going to invest such a high fantasy football pick in a player, historically speaking, a running back taken in the top 10 is a great bet because the production is almost always there and i think that's going to be the case with Bijan Robinson this season i mean it like it's kind of a no brainer right you take the best running back to come out since everybody says Saquon Barkley uh, you know if you want to say Christian McCaffrey if you want to say Adrian Peterson what have you like everybody agrees that he's kind of in that tier you put him in an offense that is I like become easily one of the best ground games, if not the best designed ground game in the NFL. Um, And it's kind of a no brainer. He also is going to be used so creatively um, by a a coordinator who has proven success the last two years in using running backs in creative fashion. So it's kind of like, I'm wondering just how high is the ceiling? Not necessarily like, all right, what's the floor? Is is he going to? There's no question in my mind that he is going to break out. And from day one, he is going to be an NFL red zone favorite. I'd imagine, you know, everybody's going to be, he's going to go high in all these fantasy football. Like he's B. John Robinson. I don't need to keep talking about B. John Robinson because we all know what he is, but yeah, he's going to break out this season and I'm so excited to watch it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think he could be on track for a historic rookie season with this Falcons offense where they're going to feature him. Um, You know, and I think everyone focuses on the Falcons. Oh, they don't have a wide receiver too. Like, what are they doing? You know, they have three stars potentially on offense and that's not something that a lot of offenses can boast. I think that was one of the things that, you know, made the Bengals so deadly was they had three really good receivers Um, But I think you could look at the Falcons offense with the three stars and Bijan Kyle Pitts, and and Drake London. And if those guys are playing at a high level and playing together for the whole season, you know, this could be a really dangerous offense, not necessarily built in the traditional sense. You know, today's, it's all about let's load up at Mm -hmm. wide receiver, maybe throw in a good tight end, like a Travis Kelsey, Uh, you know, elite tight end actually, Travis Kelsey, Um, you know, but (laughs) I I think it it could be really dangerous. And I, I think that, by the end of the year you know it was really puzzling to me i can't remember what's what site it was uh but they were like ranking the top running back rooms in the nfl and the falcons were like not mentioned at all and it's like they mentioned the patriots you know with damian harris and james robinson and they just cut james robinson by the way um so like (laughs) i don't that didn't make any sense to me like unless you're just not counting rookies in that equation but
0: um you it's content at this, we know the it's deal. It's content. Yeah, yeah, everybody's just making content. Nobody really knows what, what they're talking about. And say, somebody <laughs> sees another us, list you know. and they're like, let me just change like two players yeah. on this list and then I'll put it out as my own list. It's That's how yes. it goes.
1: That's We're just down here slaving away in, in the content minds. It's just what we do. But um, no, I think that's an excellent one. Um, I'm glad you brought him up because he hasn't played in the NFL yet. So I think technically it counts. It's a breakout season in the NFL, but he's going to break out immediately. There will be no, you know, question. Like he doesn't have to wait a year. I think, um, and an interesting tidbit from minicamp that we heard was that Bijan was playing a lot in the slot with, with, uh, Desmond Ritter targeting him quite a bit. Um, I mean, I think we were suspicious of that, but you know, it's interesting to see it play out so early in the process.
0: Well, a lot of this, a lot of this, uh, this time of year is there's not really much else for him to do Like He can't really run the ball in minicamp or OTAs. You just kind of can't. It's, it's pointless. Um, I think that based on just one Twitter video that I saw, so let me preface that right there. Hall of fame. Yeah. He ran, <laughs> he ran, he ran kind of a deep out route. I don't know what the landmark was, but he rounded out the, he rounded the shit out of that route. Yeah. Like it, it was not the cleanest crispest, <laughs> like come back, prevent an interception out route that I've ever seen. So maybe they're just working on some of the landmarks. Maybe they're working on some of the, um you know, specific technique that, that he's using there. So yes, I think that he's going to be a big part of the slot game, but I also wouldn't read too much into <laughs> mini camp usage. <laughs>
1: I'm going to read into it a lot, actually. So much. No, but yeah, you're right. Like he, he did, he did, I think run good short routes, but this was, this is a running back. Like he's not, I think experienced at running like posts and deep outs and like curls and all this stuff. Like this is, he's probably running like wheel routes and and, like, you know, crossers and, you know, some maybe like intermediate stuff, but like, I think they're going to teach him the entire route tree and expect him to play Mm -hmm. slot receiver. Um, Now he's going to carry the ball a lot, but I think I'm looking forward to the pistol with Tyler Algier and Bijan Robinson. I think that we're going to see that a good amount, um, and that's just going to be just the chaos of that. Um, I'm just excited to see that. Uh, And then also we get to watch Tyler Algier come in in the fourth quarter when the Falcons are hopefully up, you know, 15, 20 points. And uh, just watch Tyler Algier just bludgeon the opposing team to death. Uh, And that'll be fun. Just... Just uh um, Bijan's like, oh, I can sit on the sideline and sip my ties now and Tyler Algier, go kill him, buddy. You know.
0: <laughs> I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting for like the play. I can see it now, where it's you've got basically pistol like double backs, Desmond Ritter, you've got Bijan Robinson, you've got Cordero Patterson, and you've got Tyler Algier. And then you basically send Bijan into the slot over here. You bump Tyler, you bring Cordero Patterson back in motion. <laughs> and then you send Bijan back across the formation pre-snap on like a jet. And so you just are messing totally with the strength. Who's got like the bigger, where's the power back? What side is he coming on? Then you're sending somebody back across. Like, uh the possibilities are endless. It's so much fun. Yes. Just,
1: just to make, the def- the defenders just like have a headache just like I I can't even fall. like are those all running backs I don't I've never seen you know third like uh you know thirty one personnel before on the field I'm excited that we're gonna see it this year probably so um all right uh let's see next guy for me I think you're uh, up yep yeah um I actually have Jeff Okuda here um okay and I think this is a guy that like you mentioned at the top of the show third overall pick a lot of hype uh unfortunately dealt with pretty serious injury that he had to come back from um, and was sort of recovering from all last year. More or less an average starter, maybe a little bit above average for Detroit at times, but certainly not third overall pick. Now, and we, we know Achilles injuries, it takes more than a year to come back to full strength. You can play, but it's not fully healthy. So if he is back to full health you know, sometimes the big thing for these guys is that they need a coaching staff to believe in them. And it was clear that the Detroit coaching staff was out on him. Um, yeah. So the Falcons acquire him. They appear to have a lot of faith in him. It seems like he's the the easy favorite to be the starter opposite AJ Terrell. I think the breakout potential here, at least the ceiling of that potential is just incredible. Now the chances of that are highly debatable, I think, but he's a really interesting one to me because this is a guy that like some of the guys higher on this list for me, my last two, I think if if he hits, it can completely change the complexion of the defense to where do we have, now we have an elite corner tandem with AJ Terrell, who we already know is elite with a guy who has this potential curious, your thoughts on, on as a potential breakout this year.
0: Yeah. So he was somebody who I initially kind of, (laughs) with having on the list and ultimately I left off uh, my list and I will preface this again by saying like I'm a huge Jeff Okuda fan when he was coming out in the draft I mean I was like I have not seen a college cornerback coming out who is this polished and just smooth and never seems out of place and almost seems like he is running these routes with the receiver for the receiver like he's purely their shadow Um, and he was so just locked in every single rep it seemed like and so i like i was flabbergasted when you know things kind of didn't work out in detroit and then kind of fittingly i was over the moon when the falcons were the ones that acquired him and so i i love the acquisition because i think that that is also there's value inherently tied into my emotions for that move itself However, I am a little bit skeptical that he's going to ever become that player that I really like fell in love with coming out of the the draft. And there's a lot of reasons for that, right? Like some are injury related, but some also is, is landing spot. And a lot of this we don't talk about because it's impossible to talk about pre-draft is yeah, there's like a 50, 50 shot that you're going to end up somewhere great or somewhere horrible. And if you end up somewhere horrible, chances are that your career is never really going to recover from that because you just have to end up in the right situation in the NFL a lot of times. And now he's got a second chance, but he's going to get targeted a lot um, because I think, you know, teams teams aren't necessarily as afraid, I think coming off of last season, to throw AJ Terrell's way, but Jeff Hukuta has not played anywhere near AJ Terrell's level previously. And so, yeah, teams are going to make him prove that, you know, he can kind of lock down that side and, the breakout possibility is there because again, I, I think that the skills like the, the actual skills are still in place. It's just, can he put it all together? I really, really hope he does. I just right now, I don't know if I would bet on it personally.
1: Yeah. It's a tough bet to make. It's one of those where you get good odds on it. Right. And that would make me like tempted mm-hmm. to do it because it, it's one, of, two years of, of not great. Right. Um, you know, three years, of not great, whatever it is. Um, so it's, you know that the 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 ceiling is there and i i have to wonder first of all you look at the detroit lions and that secondary was a disaster every single year it didn't seem to matter who they brought in you know look at mike hughes another guy who was coming off his best season in kansas city where he actually played outside and played at a really high level goes to detroit looks like garbage everyone every secondary player in detroit looked like garbage so like is it the players or is it that coaching staff they keep adding and changing the secondary in Detroit and I, and they haven't changed the staff as far as I know I'm not right. a Detroit expert. So if you if Detroit <laughs> fans, if I'm wrong about that, let me know. I, I didn't see anything about them changing the secondary coach, but I could be wrong about that. Um, So part of me wonders if it's like, maybe that secondary is just trash and like, it just brings everyone down. And then of course, when you're a number three overall pick, you expect, your coaching staff to have your back. And they clearly did not like they were all the way out on him. And that is crushing for a player who I think was at the pinnacle when he got drafted to, to deal with that. And I wonder if there's a lot of maturity there now from going through that. And then look, just the Mm -hmm. confidence boost from being in a situation where now you've got a coaching staff that's behind you that wanted you. You can feel that again, that, that love from the team. And you know, I think there's a, a good opportunity here for him. But like you said, it is a gamble. But I think there's a, a good enough chance that it could pay off that I wanted to include him. And just because the, the ceiling of that is so high, that's why you love yeah. to move. Because it, it could be a home run. I love taking home runs. And I think even if you get a double out of it where he's just a good cornerback too for you that's great too. Cause you already have a great corner one and AJ Terrell. So you don't even need him to be this elite number three overall pick. If he can be right. a day two caliber corner, that's still really good for you. Um, so excited to see what happens there though. It, it, he'll be a really exciting one to watch. And he also gives the Falcons that tremendous size that they were sort of lacking outside of Terrell. I guess they did sign Trey flowers now, but he's sort of his, he Trey flowers is his own thing. He's a tight end coverage cornerback, which is right. very unique, but, um, yeah. Well, who's your next guy?
0: Well, um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I completely, again, agree with everything you said about Okuda and I do think that the bar is a little bit lower. So there is like what constitutes a breakout is, is certainly in his favor. Um, my next guy is is Taekwon Graham and obviously kind of looked like he was on his way to having just a pure breakout season last year. The sacks never, um, you know, materialized, but it was trending in that direction and we all know sacks kind of come in bunches and once you get your first one sometimes it can cascade after that so who knows you know maybe he gets one and then he ends the last year with like four and then we're sitting here kind of be like damn all right take one gram like story of the year last year unfortunately gets injured but positive news on that front looks like you know he's kind of progressing um, well and the team is is pleased with kind of where he's trending right now. If you look at at the metrics, he had 14 pressures last season, only played 10 full games compared to six his entire rookie year. So that's just one stat, but pretty much across the board in a lot of the uh, metrics that the PFF tracks, like blew them out of the water in terms of improvement um, from rookie year to year two. And I think that he's another player kind of like Arnold Epikati. I wonder what, you know, he could... It could hurt him early on in just like, what is his role? What is his usage? Do they work him back slowly? Does he have to earn the trust of Ryan Nielsen, who clearly is going to, you know, favor Grady Jarrett and David Onyemata one, because he's got a ton of respect for Grady Jarrett having played against him in the division all these years, the other because he knows David Onyemata after working with him directly in New Orleans. So is that going to be really tough to crack? But I think that taekwon Graham just kind of what he did, that jump that he made is real. I think that that is a uh, telling of the type of player that he can become. And if he can learn and mold his game a little bit after Grady Jarrett, he's got some of the same flavors. And I think that, you know, we really could see could he be like an efficiency monster? You know, can he get out there and, and maybe the overall stats again aren't going to be team leading, but you look at it on like a pass rush productivity, a win rate metric. And if he does get some sacks, I think that a lot of people will be saying, man, Taequann Graham, another fifth round, like defensive line gem for Atlanta.
1: Yeah, I I totally agree. He was on my like guys to watch list, not in the top five, but like definitely guys to watch Um, because of everything you mentioned. Like he had to basically become a starter after who was the who was the guy they had who got hurt in training camp? I can't remember his name now. Um, The defensive tackle, the veteran from Houston. Yeah. Um, I, no,
0: I know who he, I know because yeah. I I'm, I'm just thinking of like you guys Joe will Dalton, probably know I'm thinking of all yeah. the guys who yeah. replaced yeah but it's like that but happened he was so a, early on yeah that you he was expected
1: to be the starter and then he goes out they don't have any more money so they basically said okay Graham we need you to be the starter and I, I thought he actually performed reasonably well in that role I think he he did have good productivity stats I don't think that the the finishing was all there but that's not that mm-hmm. uncommon for a second year player um, and I think it's a perfect situation for him to be the third guy in the rotation where now they can give Grady Jarrett a breather and not have the defensive line fall off a cliff because they have Taequann Graham coming in for Grady alongside anyamata or or they can have Graham come in for anyamata or they can rotate these guys and have Graham as this third guy in the rotation who isn't going to tank your defensive line. And I think that'll lead to a lot of production for him too because he'll be able to come in, um, you know, either on early downs and play the run, which he did really well last year too, um, or he can rotate in as a pass rusher. I think he can play some 3-4 defensive end type of stuff too if they go to that uh, like three-down guy's uh, 3-4 looks. So I I really like Graham. I I agree. I think he's going to be... I think his perfect NFL role is the third man in the rotation. Just because he's versatile, he can play... He's a good pass rusher and a good run defender. He's not an elite talent, but I think... He's right. he's good enough that he there's there's going to not be a drop off you know you want to keep Grady Jarrett and David Onyemata fresh for those very key downs and distance situations so you don't have to worry about okay let's give Grady a breather let's bring in Graham that's fine your 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 defensive line is going to be fine whereas last year it was like if Grady left the field it's like okay we're a practice squad guy is coming out there uh you know but see I <laughs> so- think
0: Taekwon I think Taekwon Graham is going to be uh the or Taekwon, is going to be the Type of player who takes that role and then like does the most with it yeah, and then earns yeah. like fights and earns a little bit more of a, like I, I first see that type of season ahead for him where it, it is a little bit of all right here's what we've got in mind for you this is maybe your ideal role and then he surprises us a little bit and it's like no hey I, maybe I'm I'm uh eager and and willing and ready for kind of something a little bit bigger and hopefully that kind of turns into a little bit of a three headed monster on the interior for for Atlanta. So yeah, like Taquan Graham. I definitely think could have a, a big season ahead of him, but, but who's uh, your next guy, Kevin?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I agree with all, all that stuff. Yeah. My next guy now, um, we're getting into the the guys that I, I have basically starred as like, these are key players. And this is a guy we talked about yesterday or well, not yesterday. You know, whenever that podcast airs, whenever you guys listen to it, that's when it, it came out. That's when we talked about it. Uh, but uh, Troy Anderson, I think, is is absolutely a key breakout player for this defense. And again, for for a lot of the same reasons that Jeff Okuda was mentioned, this is a, a player who could sort of change the complexion of the entire unit. We saw Troy Anderson coming out of FCS Montana State, shout out Bozeman, uh, it comes in, ends up playing a lot, um, and it's not, you know, amazing, but you can see the, the idea here, like, you see him running around chasing down receivers and things like this. Like this should not happen. Like, I mean, he saved a kickoff return touchdown, chasing down a, a kick return. Yeah. Like that's not that was one something of my favorite typical. plays of the year last yeah. year. Like, I mean, you just see this man gaining on this little kick return. You're like, what in the hell is that? That like, was
0: against Chicago, right? Yeah, I was there yeah. for that game up in the press box. And yeah, you just see it was like he just, he's he was gaining moving like at yeah. 1.5 times speed. Yes. And everybody else, it, and it was just do, 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 I yeah. was like,
1: oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that was a crucial play, too. So, like, mm-hmm. he has all of the talent and athletic ability in the world. I mean, this is one of the most athletic people on the planet. Like, perfect 10, I think, at, like, five different positions if he ran his RAS score. I think it was, like, quarterback, edge, like, all these different yeah. posi- Like, And the the thing with Anderson is, like, he... I think Montana State realized this. They had him play running back, they had him play quarterback, and then they had him play linebacker for two years. He's played so many different positions. Linebacker is one of those that... I it is one of the headier sort of positions. Like you have to be able to read and analyze a lot of different keys, a lot of different things that the offense is doing and make a decision about where you're going to move. That's a lot to put on the plate of a guy who's only played the position for two years. Um, But I think it also shows how much trust Montana state placed in him that they, they moved him around. They didn't really care. They're like, you could play quarterback. Now you can play linebacker. Now he, I think he was, you know, all FCS or, or one of the, you know, AP players of the year. Um, I think it was the, the big sky conference or whatever it was out there, uh, like player of the year, like defensive player of the year. So this is a guy who, who is special. I just don't know how long it's going to take to get there. Um, and in the mm-hmm. NFL, of course is a completely different beast, but what do you think about Anderson's potential uh, breakout this year?
0: So I, when we spoke yesterday on on the podcast, on my podcast, I Definitely defended, I think, Troy Anderson. And I was, among the two of us, the more positive on, on, I think, his prospects. However, I also left him off of this list. um, (laughs) Because, you know, the more that I, I think about it, and the more that I think the Falcons highly value him and are invested in getting every little bit of athletic ability and turning him into a football player worthy of, like, these truly super heroic athletic abilities that he has. I I think they want to make him a football player with these incredible gifts. I just don't think he is that right now Um, to me. And I, you know, I'm trying to, I don't want this to be as like mean sounding as it is, but he's (laughs) like Paul Warlow on a power up mushroom (laughs) to me. Like, I, I think that, the the key when we were talking also about Ryan Nielsen's defense and the linebackers and the importance, there, and you've got guys like Demario Davis. What Demario Davis does so well is kind of that like Tampa two, under, just erase that that seam route uh, type of coverage player, where he is so good at locating while dropping and getting in these passing lanes. And I, I don't think Zach Anderson or Troy Anderson, sorry, can can really do that yet, and that worries me a little bit. Because he's got all of the athletic trait in the world. And I think sideline to sideline, no brainer. You know, if he can learn to really key on these things and have that type of instinct that truly separates, you know, your your Levante Davids or your Demario Davises, your Luke Keekly's, you know, for a to just go all the way around the division right there. Um, I think that he has the athletic ability to like be an exceptional elite run defender because that that's already like, that's just running and hitting and and diagnosing. And he can do that, I think, all day long. The feeling coverage is a totally different animal. And like you, I worry that that is going to take some time to develop, kind of like it did with Devondre Campbell, similar yeah. type of athletic specimen. And you're like, man, if you can just figure out what to do with him or somebody like Isaiah Simmons, who the Arizona Cardinals are still trying to kind of figure out what do we do with you, I worry that he fits in that box of, man just an amazing athlete which is why he was so good in college and why he excelled at all these different positions because he was like the biggest kid in the uh, in high school and it's like we can just put you out there, uh, out there on the field and you're going to get 4000 rushing yards like you're just better than everybody else but in the NFL that that doesn't work and so that's my only concern
1: yeah no i think that's a fair criticism and i think that's the key to why he that's why he could be a breakout player this season but right. it's not a guarantee the guys on this list are not guaranteed to break out if that was so you know that would be great uh we could guarantee because that's the thing if all of these guys that we mentioned break out this is like a contending team like no question so like maybe For half sure. these guys yeah. break out but um yeah i think it, that's the big question with trainers how quickly does this happen does it happen this year if it does and that's why i think it's it, he's one of the crux players like the linchpin players of this defense where if he's just average, everything's fine. Like, it's it's fine. Like, mm-hmm. uh, it's not going to be a big deal. I think that's sort of what they're expecting. It's like, Troy, just take that step, become an average starter um, next to Caden Ellis, who hopefully is going to be a really good starter. He can handle more of the, the heady stuff. We'll let you run and hit. We'll let you play some man coverage and chase guys down with your athleticism and not ask too much of you in zone. Because that was, like you said, that was where he really struggled under Dean P's last year that the zone coverage, the instincts were not there at all. I, when they drafted him, I was like, you know, they're going to need to play him in man because he's got the athleticism to keep up with anybody in man. And man is, you know, theoretically, if you're not running some really complicated man, you know, pass off scheme. um, It's pretty simple. It's not that hard to pick up. It's just get your guy and follow him. Um, You know, I'm, I'm wondering if they'll emphasize that role for him more than than it was in Dean Peete's defense. I think that would be key to improving his coverage. But eventually, he's going to have to do it. Yeah, so.
0: I think that the other aspect of his game that I failed to mention, there was the pass rush, right? And Mm -hmm. I'm curious to see how they envision using him in the pass rush because certainly Caden Ellis bringing him in here has kind of the same weird, funky type of versatile athleticism and really at a high level in some cases. And he had, uh, what was it? seven and a half, seven sacks last season, eight
1: sacks, something like that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So it's, I mean, like what can he teach Troy Anderson and what do they envision using Troy Anderson and how uh, do they want to use him in the pass rush? Like, I think that's a way to maybe mitigate some of these concerns in coverage is, all right, we're just not going to use you in coverage and you're going to be that fourth rusher in a simulated pressure package. And we're going to end up dropping Arnold Evacati into that underneath zone, you know, like something like that. Maybe I, I could see them doing it, but yeah, like a, I think that the skill set is certainly intriguing. So like the breakout potential is definitely there. Um, but I I'll be fascinated if it happens, how it happens.
1: Yeah. I think it's like, if, if he does take that step, that could change the complete complexion of the defense to where this is now. We're, we're thinking about this defense very differently. Like, Oh wow. Okay. Um, they've got two really good linebackers now. Uh, that that's different. That's not what I was expecting. So we'll see, uh, but it, it's one of the more fascinating, I think, things this year. Um, all right, w- who's up next for you, Will? As we get close to closing out our lists here.
0: Yeah, this is basically the last guy on my list because I initially had Tyler Algier written down. And then I was like, "This is insane." He broke out last <laughs> year, even yards, though I yeah. think, even though I think that there's like another level for him yeah, to go. Yeah. And in some weird way, you know, it reminds me a little bit of when the the Bulldogs had uh, Todd Gurley and Nick Chubb together at the same time there and, and for many different reasons Todd Gurley was in and out of the lineup at this point um at the Georgia or for in his Georgia career but it was kind of like hey this freshman backup running back is actually like way better and Sony Michelle came in as kind of like the more hyped player but so it was like no just give it to the guy who's like steadily gaining like eight yards a carry and I kind of think Tyler Algier could be that this year where it's like Bijan is the more exciting player and all that. But then it's like every time Tyler Algier touches the ball, great things happen and people are like, hell yeah, like let's just keep going. Anyway, this isn't a Tyler Algier take. It's a, a Desmond Ritter take, which is the the final person on my list. And this is a little bit of an easy one, right? I think because the bar is so low for him right now. I mean, you've got articles left and right coming out that are like ranking every position one through 32. And like he's dead last behind anthony richardson on like everybody's list of quarterbacks in the nfl yeah and i'm like (laughs) what are we doing here guys like he's not he's not that bad his his final four games those were his first four games and he got better each four and you know like the last game that he played two touchdown passes over 200 yards passing like not a bad performance I think that a lot of the stuff that the Falcons will tell you, they're not saying like, Oh my God, his arm is a freaking cannon. He threw it all the way across spaghetti junction yesterday. It's like, no, he understands our playbook. He's got a great command of the huddle. He's like endearing himself in the locker room. These are a lot of the things that you would hear about guys like Russell Wilson when they were young and kind of learning it's, the ability to assimilate into an NFL culture and be a leader and be the face of the franchise and be almost like the CEO of the team when you're 22, 23 years old. And that's really hard to do. But those are the more important things. And I think the Falcons are right to kind of focus and highlight those things. But oh, by the way, Arthur Smith will have a whole offense to kind of earn a whole offense to cater an offense around uh, what Desmond Ritter... Does well. And this offseason, I think, you know, Desmond Ritter gets to benefit from learning this offense that's going to be a little bit more tailored to what he does. And I think that he's going to be more willing and able to take these deep shots that the Falcons desperately wanted Marcus Mariota to do more frequently at the start of the year last year. And when he started doing it, he was just really, really, really bad at it. Like he was just missing left and right. And Desmond Ritter wasn't perfect. And there were some times where he was overly aggressive and looking downfield and missed something kind of wide open underneath. But he's a rookie and he'll learn from those. And I trust him to get better from year one to year two. And honestly, even if he's like the 17th best quarterback in the league, if he's like the 20th best quarterback in the league next season and the Falcons, you know, win the NFC South going nine and what would it be, eight now? Nine and like, eight, yeah. yeah. And, and, they're, and they're like the first wild card team or something because it's a weak NFC year and he wins one playoff game. Guess what? People are going to be talking about Desmond Ritter going in the next season, kind of like they're talking Brock Purdy right now. You know, they'll be kind of like, hey, maybe the Falcons have something. They're an exciting team. Look at them. They're going to be my pick to, you know, be the three seed in the NFC. Like, it's all just off season narratives. And I think that Desmond Ritter is not going to be nearly as bad as everybody's predicting right now. And for that reason, we're all going to come away kind of being like, Hey, Desmond Ritter breakout season. So that's yeah. my prediction.
1: Yeah, no, he was also my number one on my list. Um, uh, so there you go. Nice, nice, uh, dovetailing there. Uh, but for all the reasons you mentioned, like everyone seems to think he's trash. I don't get it. He got better every single week. Um, I mean, he beat up the Bucks so bad in that first half that they pulled all their starters to, like, save their embarrassment. Um, You know, it still counts, Tom. Sorry. <laughs> you started the game. You don't get to take take it back. Uh, it, the hate that he's getting is so bizarre. I think a lot of it is born out of, you know, we've talked about this. Like, everyone wanted the Falcons to go after Lamar. I think they're still, like, penalizing them for not going after Lamar, yeah. even though it's obvious now he was never available. Like, he was never on the market. He would never have left Baltimore. It was all just they're trying to, to delay and, and get. You but know, again,
0: even from yeah. a Falcon standpoint, like it wouldn't have made sense. anyway. So agree. Like, yes. yeah. it, I agree. Yes.
1: But I think it was this. How could the Falcons go with Desmond Ritter? That's so stupid. Like, are they tanking? Like, what's happening? Right. I think it's just born out of a complete lack of understanding of Desmond Ritter. Uh, I think it's born yes, out of ignorance. This- Yes, like, oh, he's a third round quarterback. how How could you? you and know? they
0: didn't watch the last four games last season because the Falcons. <laughs> I don't blame were you? Like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, they like they I promise yeah. they uh, some of them did, and that's fine. but like, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. so, and then but it, it, what it gets really wild is that you it, where he's like the fortieth best quarterback in the in the NFL. and it's like that's just i mean, it's insulting. like it's insulting your intelligence too whoever's ranking him like, we see Sam Howell being listed as this, like, oh, he's exciting. Sam Howell played one game. He threw 19 passes. He completed 57.9% of those passes for 169 yards, one touchdown and one interception, and 52 of those yards came on one throw. He was not good. And he's being ranked <laughs> ahead of Desmond Ritter. 11 of 19. That's all he did in all of 2022. And he's being ranked five, six, seven spots ahead of Desert Ritter it's just, I I don't understand. Like it doesn't make any sense to me. Maybe it's because no one cares about Washington and they're like, well, whatever. It's no, it's no fun to dunk on the commanders because they're already down bad, you know, and hopefully they're going to be on the upswing now with that, with that bum (laughs) owner out of there. But um, I mean, it's just, I'm not going
0: to say that Desmond Ritter (laughs) is like the next coming of of anything. (laughs) It's just, yeah, right. Like I I don't think he's the worst quarterback in the NFL. I think he's probably going to be somewhere around that 20 spot when all is said and done this year and if if he is maybe that's enough but i I think it'll be enough for people to at least their their stock in desmond ritter to be slightly trending upwards which again uh, constitutes maybe a breakout season
1: (laughs) yeah i my my take that i usually tell people is i think by the end of 2023 there will be no question that desmond ritter is an nfl starter i won't i can't tell you whether or not the falcons will be looking for a new starter but I think we'll know right. by the end of 2023 that he is a capable NFL player, capable NFL starter. Is he good enough to keep the Falcons from going after another quarterback? I don't know. But I, I think he's going to end up in that like 15 to 20 range when it's all said and done. And like part of it is that Arthur Smith is not going to make it difficult for him to do that. I mean, they've, they've loaded up the run game. They've given him these two elite options on the outside to throw to and Kyle Pitts and Drake London and they've made I think an offense really tailored to his skill set I mean look at I mean he Arthur Smith resurrected Ryan Tannehill's career this was a guy that was traded for like a seventh round pick and turned him into a top 10 player arguably one of the best players of that season in terms one of the most efficient seasons ever for a quarterback he's gonna make it easy for Ritter and Really, all this offense needs is a guy that is smart with the football, that has some athleticism to take advantage when teams key on the run, and, and he can take off and pick up yards, which he can. He needs to mm-hmm. sort of hone that in a little bit better. And that's going to hit the damn deep shots, unlike Marcus Mariota. Uh, that was what crushed this offense, is that teams found out Marcus Mariota could not throw deep, and that was it. Like, it was all over for Marcus at, at that point. Desmond Ritter will throw deep. Now, he's not going to hit every single one of them, but if you hit half the ones that Mario missed we're talking about this team probably in the playoffs so um I I think Ritter is definitely the biggest breakout guy to watch but a breakout for Ritter is like oh he doesn't like the, the expectations are so low that a breakout for Ritter is like oh he's like the 15th best quarterback in the NFL and and I think that would be a good season for him and and would really silence a lot of the the doubters um and that would probably make him like the fourth or fifth best quarterback in the NFC at that point. Yeah. <laughs> that's how dire the straights are here in the NFC right now. But, um, yeah, it's uh, it's wild. It's wild out there for Ritter. So uh, he deserves better. We got your back, Ritter. Just, you know, we got your back now uh, on, on these airwaves. Now have teams back this year. We we, we believe. We believe. So, um, yeah. Well, Will, any anything else you want to touch on? Any other guys you wanted to mention uh, before we sign off?
0: I don't, but I know you had a couple of of guys on your long list. You want to just name I'll a just few, throw them and out then there. If, yeah, if if any, yeah, if any know. really strike yeah. me as as crazy, I'll react.
1: Yeah, we mentioned Taquan uh, Taquan already. Uh, Drew Dahlman, I put on here as a guy that okay, I think I've is about someone him. to watch. Uh, Matthew yeah. Bergeron, uh, okay. Clark Phillips, and D'Angelo Malone were the other ones I had on there.
0: Um, Those all make as, sense.
1: Yeah, but like not as I, high of a level, you know. I think with the rookies, it's a little bit more tempered usually. Yeah. But yeah.
0: And the offensive line is always hard too, because it's like what constitutes a. Br- like, I- I'm sure there are some people who are like, was Chris Lindstrom's season all that good last year? Like, why is he suddenly amazing? Like, y- you know, it's like really hard unless you just kind of know what to look for or are watching yeah. enough of just the offensive line snap in and snap out to really have that sample size to be able to like make comparisons and and things like that. But. I totally agree. Drew Dahlman and, and Matt Bergeron are two guys who could certainly be in line. I think Drew Dalman, again, inconsistent, but like all, all young guys are going to be inconsistent. And there were some games where he was rock, rock solid. And Matthew Bergeron, I, I think fits really nicely into this offense. So I'm excited to see him play. So those two guys on, on that list were considerations for me as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think the team clearly has a lot of faith in Drew Dahlman. That was a spot where I was like, oh, are they going to go take John Michael Schmitz at that spot instead of, and they went with Bergeron. So I think that shows like they could have had the best center in the draft. They chose to pass because they Mm -hmm. trust Drew Dahlman that much. So to me, that is the most resounding endorsement you could possibly have is like, you have the chance to take the best center in the class and you choose not to do that, to go after a guard. That means they trust Drew Dahlman. So I, I, we have to trust him, too, at this point. <laughs> we have no choice. Yeah. No, I, Andrew Dalton was not bad. Like, it, it, I think the pass protection was inconsistent. I think the run blocking was really good. We know how important the run blocking is going to be for this team. If he could just get right. that pass pro. I mean, that's what I, with Cade McGarry, right? Um, just needed to get the pass protection more consistent. Just, he did yeah, that. Just be elite
0: then, in one area and yeah. then get the other area kind of sufficient, and yeah. you'll you'll have success.
1: Yeah. And the way this offense is constructed with all the play action and everything like it, it, it makes it easier for the pass pro because half the time you're going to be run blocking on in these pass protection situations anyway, <laughs> to throw off the yep. defense. So um, yeah, I, I think this is, this is, we covered a lot of a ground here. I think we got all the main guys, everyone. Uh, thank you for listening today. Appreciate that. Like subscribe. If you enjoy, check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash live for those exclusive perks uh yeah will he is will mcfadden at will mcfadden on the twitters host the believe in falcons podcast our sister show here on the believe podcast network anything else you'd like to plug will
0: uh no we've got our youtube channel believe in falcons uh that as well a little touch and go but that's all of our good video contents are gonna be up over there um outside of that nah man just uh always a pleasure doing this with you so i really appreciate having me on
1: yeah absolutely guys and I am Kevin Knight at alcoholic Kevin. The show handle is at Falcoholic Live. Appreciate everyone for hanging out. Make sure to tune into the live shows Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, and definitely go back and watch uh last week's well maybe two weeks ago, depending on when you're watching this live show where we had Falcons executive Brett Jukes on. Uh he gave us a lot of a lot of good nugs in there and a lot of inside sort of commentary on on this team and and the team building process that I thought was really fascinating and it was a fun conversation to so definitely check that out guys um but yeah we'll be back on Wednesday as always as we uh, start to transition to some training camp uh preview coverage as we're coming up on a little over little over a month away now so we're we're getting there folks we got to get through the content desert first but we're almost there
0: so.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes guys well again thank you to everyone for watching like subscribe leave that five star review on your podcast platform of choice today's show was presented by bet online and again thanks to will for coming on we will see you guys next time on the dirty birds and brews podcast have a great day folks